Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Joe McCall here. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Got a special guest over here. His name is Jim Huntsicker. Did I say that right? You did. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. Nice. And on this podcast, guys, we're going to be talking about how he just made a million dollar profit on an apartment that he just flipped. And uh, we're going to be talking about how he did that. Now, some of you may be intimidated like, oh, apartments, check, I'm out of here. Or you might think a million dollar profit. I don't believe it. BS, I'm out of here. But stay tuned because you're going to learn some really cool tips and tricks and how even if you're a beginning investor, how you can find these deals, how you can find people to partner with them and how you can do this too. Jim's nothing special. I mean, he's a good looking guy. He's done a lot of deals, right? <laughs> but we're not going to talk about his favorite baseball team because it doesn't matter. <laughs> Joe and, I, Joe and I agree to disagree on baseball. We really, we really like each other, but we agree to disagree on baseball teams. Yeah. Even though he likes that other baseball team, we're not <laughs> going to talk about who they are because they're horrible. But he's, he's still doing these big deals. So uh, we're going to be talking about how he made over a million dollars on this apartment that he flipped. In, insane. And it wasn't even where he lives. It was in another state. So I'm going to ask Jim a lot of questions about this. Um, if you guys want the show notes of this podcast, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com, and you can get the show notes and the links and the transcriptions and all of that stuff, and you can get more information about Jim. But uh, glad that you're on the show, on the podcast, Jim. How are you doing? Good, good. And thank you for having me on, Joe. I appreciate it, man. I interviewed you on the podcast, boy, probably three, four years ago, uh, talking about how to find deals on the MLS. Yep. And uh, so you've been an active investor. Uh, tell us where you live, where you're from, and where you do most of your deals and all that good stuff. Sure. I, I, I'm out of Chicago, suburban Chicago. It's where I've always worked. It's where I, I, prim I started in residential real estate in 2005. And I stayed in residential until about 2013 when I started studying. I, and really, I wanted to know more about multifamily. But there's so many facets of it. It's a little intimidating. And, you know, and so it's... Yeah, it but, is. But, you know, I, so I started studying and learning from a lot of people who, you know, like, just like I did any, I didn't reinvent the wheel on this, just like anybody listening. If you're new, you shouldn't either. I went and studied people who are very successful at this. And I learned everything there was. I studied for years, literally three years. I studied commercial, multifamily, you know, office deals, just learning the ins and the outs of the deal structures, what's possible, how you can finance them, how do you, you know, is there traditional loans? Do you use private lenders? Do you use a combination of the two, which is exactly what we do? And so a lot of these deals were buying with, with none of my money down. And so it's, 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 you know, but it took a long time. It wasn't a quick road to get there because then once you even get there and you have the knowledge and you got to pull the trigger and then now you're in the deal. And that's, that's a hard part too, because we're not talking about, you know, $50,000, you know, single family houses. I mean, the first one I, I, the first deal I bought was over a million dollars, you know? And so it's, 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 it is a little intimidating. And so, but I felt comfortable doing it because I had studied so much prior to that, you know? And I, and just like when I got into residential, same thing, I started kind of doing it on my own, realizing, well, I don't know enough at all. And that's, that's why I got most of my deals out of the MLS originally, because that's all I knew, you know? And then I started studying, learning more about those private seller marketing. And that was like, oh, seven, oh, eight. I started really getting into, you know, different marketing, but I still got most of my deals till 2013, like 70, 75% out of the MLS. And it's still possible today, by the way. Residential, I, I don't focus on anymore at all. In fact, I have one residential deal that I'm selling and that'll, that'll be it for a while, probably maybe forever because my direction of my business now is into multifamily, commercial, office, and industrial. Nice. Okay. You're not doing residential. You're doing no. multifamilies now. So talk about why are you not doing residential anymore? Well, well this, I think it's the wrong market for it. For what you know, for, I've been doing. Um, I'm in suburban Chicago. My office is in, in Schaumburg, and you know, I was buying my average rehab. I've done over 500 deals, and my and my average rehab was about eighty thousand dollars. These are these are twenty five hundred square foot houses, and my entry level purchase price was about two and a quarter. And I was selling these things from between four and five most of my stuff, and so. Uh, they're just bigger deals and there's a lot, you know, a lot of more money involved. I wasn't doing $20,000 flips. And so the market just changed and thing, you know, the deals got 
not not harder to buy because I can still find them, but I got to pay more than I want to, and the, and the margins just got slimmer. And this is just the wrong market for what I was doing for years and years. It's no longer the right market for it anymore. And I'm not saying I won't do it again. Right now, I'm done with residential. I'm, I'm not saying in five years, if the market takes a dip and it makes sense again, I won't be in there again. But for now, I had been studying commercial because I just wanted it. I always had an interest in apartments. And so once I learned enough, pulled the trigger, now I'm full on in. And all I want to do is buy as much as I can. And I have a, a ton of money behind me to buy it. It's it's not like it's not just even private money. We have funds that are coming in these deals, and so literally hundreds of billions of dollars I have to deploy on multifamily right now. Oh, well, I'm in cool. it. I found the right lending sources. Once once they, I proved my model. These guys were like, "All right, go spend our money." So that's that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to buy as much multifamily as I can right now, and it's all value add. I don't want anything that's you know stabilized and in good condition, and and that's fine for you know like a fund to buy or a REIT, but that's not what I want. I, I only want value add stuff. That's what I'm looking for. I, I'll give you an example. I got one under contract right now. It's 160 units. <clears throat> I'm sorry, that one's 140 units, and it is um, it's been vacant for like four or five years. It's brick, but it needs about four million in renovation. <laughs> the whole apartment building has been vacant for how many years? Yeah, it's actually like 14 buildings on on uh, six acres, and it's been vacant for a long time. It just got run, and it's 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 almost condemned condemnable. But since it's brick, it is salvageable. And so I went through with, with the contractor who's done about 10 jobs this big. Uh, he's, you know, he's obviously a big national contractor that knows what he's doing. And yeah, we can, we can get this done for about three and a half. And I figure with the, oh shit, oh, oh crap stuff that's going to come up, it's going to be about a $4 million job. Uh, and in the end, but we'll be into it for 5 million total and in the low end on the low end, it'll be worth seven, seven, seven point seven million. So we'll create that equity spread on that deal about, you know, a little over two and a half million and uh, keep it. And again, that is on the low end. And like, it's, it's funny with this, with this particular property, because it is vacant, we're actually going to turn it into a 55 and older, not like assisted living by any means, just 55 and older, because those people come in, they're quiet, they keep to themselves, they don't trash your place, they pay and they don't leave, you know, because they like a nice clean place. So we're going to rehab all these things, put granite in them. And, you know, so because we because it's vacant, we have an opportunity there. So I mean, that's, that's a huge, huge deal. But another one I'm rehabbing right now is 105 unit. The 105 unit uh, we bought for 2.2 needs about a million three. So that one will be into it for, you know, 3.5 and the, the, it, it should be worth in the end at about 6.3 is what that one will be worth. So we're, we're creating wow. pretty large equity spreads on these things. And, and, and the great part is we're able to pull out, we can, our, our end loan, we're refinancing at 80% and pulling out the equity. And the equity is not taxable because it's just your equity. It's not income. You created equity and it's now yours to pull out tax-free. So that's part of it too. So all the partners in the deal, if we pull out an extra $800,000, just, just bonus money, we all take you know, a piece of that and then we just rent the place for the cash flow ongoing. These are, these are long-term deals that I'm doing. So you've come a long way since we talked before on the podcast. You went yeah. from doing houses. And that's one of the great things I love about real estate is because, because the market shifted, you were able to shift with it and, and be flexible with your strategies. Um, there's certain times of the market cycles that go up and down where maybe foreclosures are the best things, the easiest things to do on the MLS, and then that dries up. Then it's sh- doing short sales and that dries up. Or maybe it's buy and hold uh, rentals or maybe it's wholesaling, maybe it's lease options, owner financing, uh, retail. So there's, depending on how, what direction the market is going, there's different things that you can do. And uh, if you're smart, <clears throat> and one of my favorite books is Who Moved My Cheese or Who Moved the Cheese or something. Yeah, yeah, I love that book. And it's about just being aware of where the cheese is going and not being so dogmatic and stuck in your ways. You don't adjust, but you are always looking for new opportunities in, in, in a smart way. But how did you, Jim, go from like, because, you know, houses are kind of relatively simple and easy to like these big complex apartments that, how did you make that shift and, and, and start focusing on that? Well, I just, I always had an interest in apartments. I, I wanted to own apartments and I'm in Chicago and this is the last place you want to own apartments or really even rental properties for that matter. We have the, the rent rules in my market, in Cook County specifically, which is where Chicago is, and it's, I'm in the Burbs, but I'm, I'm still in Cook County, uh, is ridiculously favored in the tenant. So, so they can, if they know what they're doing, they can live in your property. They can stop paying you and live there for six months for free, and there's nothing you can do about it. And the judge will allow them to do it. And now that's never happened to me. I've had people stay there for a few months and that was, you know, annoying because I still have payments on my, on my rental properties. And so I got to about 14 properties here and I'm like, 
this isn't working for me. It's taking a long time. So I bought a couple duplexes and I bought a four unit all here still in Chicago. And, and I just, it just wasn't driving the needle for me. It was like, this is just taking too long. To, I'm like, I just want to buy a hundred at a time. And so that's what I really started to research multifamily and, and, you know, the ins and the outs of it. I mean, I, I didn't know anything about it other than I wanted to do it. So I started studying and paying attention to the right people. And, you know, and, and, you know, you hang around the right people and you ask the right questions, you're going to learn the right stuff. And I've paid, you know, paid for education, which I do every year. I mean, you know, masterminds and I listen to podcasts, you know, and I, and I, and I, I, I go to masterminds and I pick people's brains. So I know that know what I want to know. And I, I, I have information, you know, so we, we share information with each other and it's, it's win-win that that's how I did it. I just did a lot of research. I wanted it. So I went out and figured it out, you know, and so that, that, that's yeah. what happened. I knew residential wasn't going to last forever. And I was kind of annoyed by it because as the market got better, you know, the margins went down for a couple of reasons and the contractors, there's a shortage, you know, anybody who rehabs know there's, there's not enough contractors. So it's like, you'll get a bid from one, maybe in two to four weeks, depending on how busy they are. And the number is based on how bad they want to do the work. And you can tell like, you know, these are contractors I've used before. I'm getting bids like double what I expected. They're like, well, we're busy. And so like, okay, well, obviously you just don't want the work. And so that happened to me enough times where I was just got, I was done. So I, I really went full force with commercial a couple of years ago because of that. And uh, it like, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty aggressive individual. And once I put my mind to something, I just put my head down and started doing it. And I learned enough where I felt comfortable. First couple of deals, I was still nervous, you know, cause it's like, well, this is a billion dollar property that I'm about to put my name on and I got to make this work. So, I mean, like the, you know, the, the, the million dollar profit we're, we'll talk about here in a second. Like, that's not, that's not to brag. That just happened. We, we, we got a really, really good deal. I met somebody at a mastermind at lunch. That's how I got that deal. And they were a partner on it. They just, they didn't know how to do the deal. They didn't know how to take it down. And I did it. I, I, I brought the financing to the table and well, it wasn't even an easy deal. We thought it was going to be a three month flip, but the first buyers backed out the week of the closing, threatened us, sued us. They turned out to be attorneys. So they scared the title company. The title company gave them their deposit back, which they had no business doing. Oh, yeah, I was oh, I bro- I'm like, wait, wait, what did you just do? They're like, well, you have to sign off. I'm like, I'm not signing off on anything. I said, it's our money, it's hard. And anyway, that was a there was a whole debacle in itself. Then we found the second buyer, second buyer. So this was a three-month flip, but I didn't say that it took 19 months. Three-month flip that took 19 months. And the second buyer, I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, I, I felt terrible, but the second buyer lost two hundred thousand dollars in in a non-refundable deposit because they couldn't perform. And this asset was losing money. So it's not like that was bonus money for us. We were having to pay for our, our loan, you know, debt service sure. with that money. And we ended up putting 40, because we kept it longer than we expected. So we ended up putting 40,000 in to fix the lowest hanging fruit to get the rent roll up just a little bit. But we're still yeah. only talking about this thing being at 45% occupancy max. That's all it ever got to. And we were able, we, we bought it for a million two fifty. We put only 40,000 into it. Uh, all that 200,000 that was lost was not, we didn't go to waste. We were able to keep some of that. But in the end, we sold it for $2.3 million in, in current condition. It still needed a complete rehab. We, the 40000 we put in was just to get a couple units rentable. That's it. We didn't, we didn't really fix it up, per se. And uh, we were able to sell it for two point three. And we sold it, I mean, a couple of times. It was just a matter of then, in the end, the third buyer, we, we were vetting the buyer very strongly. Because the first, first one screwed us. Second one, I'm not sure what happened there. I feel terrible for those people because they lost a bunch of money. But nothing we could do. That's business. And the deal didn't go their way. And we, we legally were able to keep the money. And so the, the third buyer, we, we, we took about six months to, to, to accept an offer from it. We had multiple buyers, but we just didn't feel they were the right ones. And so we finally found the right one, took it and it took about, it was um, 70 days from the day we accepted his, you know, put the offer together to, we were able to close and you know, the total profit on it was a million 60. It was, nice. it was, I mean, it was obviously fantastic. We were very pleased with that, but those deals are all over the place. All that was, was that was a property that was under maintained forever, under managed. It was kind of a slumlord situation where it was just not, not great. None of the tenants were happy. They actually, let's get this in their lease. It said their lease, their rent payment is so low. Like they're saying, we give reduced rents because you're expected to do the, the maintenance on your own apartment. <laughs> That's really what it said. So how good are the tenants going to do maintenance on their own apartment? Terribly. So the maintenance on these, it was, it was just, it was ridiculous. I mean, there was stuff was in shambles. And so, um, but that's what we're looking for. The stuff that's under maintained, under managed, you know, whatever it is, it just needs a a bunch of work. Uh, You know, like I said, one we're putting in, it's a million dollar, we're buying it for a million, putting four into it. We're going to be into the thing for $5 million and 4 million of that is rehab cost. And, um, 
but that that that's how that deal went. Out. I literally I was at a mastermind. Somebody sat at my table, got to talking. They had this deal. I'm like, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Like, why don't you email me the the details on that so I can do a little. And as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I'm in. Like, I, I was it was a it was a great deal, and and it turned out you know to be a really good one. I mean, they're all not going to be home runs right. like that, but those home runs are out there all over the place. You just got to you know, you got to find more deals. <clears throat> There's a great marketing tactic. It's called flap your lips. And sometimes that's the best way to find deals. Flap your lips. Get out there to the networking events, masterminds, local RIAs, whatever, and start talking to people and just finding out what they do. And, um, you know, one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is talking about these deals because maybe somebody can, who's got an apartment like this can bring it to you and say, hey, I don't know what to do with this. What do I do? Let me rewind a little bit more. Um, what were some of the books that you read or maybe some of the courses that you bought to learn about commercial uh, real estate and apartments? Well, you know, there, <clears throat> there are so many out there, but you know, I, I really, I'm not a huge reader as much as I, I, I have. I could show you a couple hundred books over here on my shelf, all of which I intend to read at some point. Uh, <laughs> but I just, I, I'm kind of an ADD type you know, personality and I, and I run pretty fast in, in reading. I, I can get through books and I don't remember a lot of what I read. So one day when I slow down, maybe I'll read some more books, but it was more networking and talking to the right people and absorbing information and, and re reviewing deals and talking to people about their deals. And this is just like, like, uh, you know, high level people that have been doing this and like, like Tim Bratz is a guy who's killing it right now in the multifamily. Yeah. And, you know, I, I went to his event a couple of years ago when he his first one that he had. And I, you know, talked to him a lot and I learned a, learned a ton there. I mean, he, he's a wealth of information that guy and I, I just went I went to, to others like Tim that you know some people that you would never even heard of but they're just doing they're killing it in multifamily they're not they're not like people that attend events they're they're not people you would ever know they're just people you know one guy owns 6,000 units that I, I obviously picked his brain a lot you've never heard of this guy and he doesn't want me to say who he is because that's not that's not what he does he just owns apartments you know and so I just I, I through networking through RIAs through masterminds I would ask you know and so I got to people and I wasn't looking for the gurus at all not that I I was opposed to that because Tim is, you know, teaching out there and Tim does a great job. But I want the guys that this is just all they do. They're not looking for notoriety. They're all they're doing is they're just they're grinders. They just do deals. They put deals together. They rehab units and they keep them. And so I actually got to people. My goal was to get the people that didn't have any kind of status at all. Just says that you know five thousand. That's what I want to go five thousand doors by twenty thirty. And so. I, I want to talk to guys who had that many doors because I'm not, you know, if we talk to guys that have a thousand doors, well, they're on my way, but I want to know that I want to talk to the guy that has 6,000 doors because that's the guy I, I want to emulate. And that's the guy that I want to be like. And so that's what I did. I got, I got to the people that didn't want to be gotten to and, and, and I talked to them and that's where I learned the most because those are, those are the best people because you could get, and they like to talk. They're just, they're not, they don't want to be a public figure in any way, but they're usually great people. If they've done that well in business, they're happy to talk to you about it, you know, and take them to coffee and uh, offer if I can help them in any way. Can I do something for you? for free just because I want I'd love to take you to lunch you know and so that's something a new person there's so much value if you can oh, offer yeah. just even your time to somebody like that like that like I can do like if you're just beginning and you don't know what to do you like offer doing paperwork in their office for free who cares if you're around that environment you're going to learn so much and so I mean I I at the point I was, I wasn't willing to do like the paperwork stuff, but still sitting down with these guys it, it wasn't as hard I mean you just have to ask I all I did was ask and not everybody said yes, but enough people said yes that I was able to get my information that I needed. And here I am full steam ahead buying as much as I can. What if you just found one of these guys that has 5,000 doors and say, you know, look, are you, are you looking for more deals? I will go and drive by all of these apartments in whatever target area you're looking for. I'll go spend a couple of days driving and I'll write down addresses. I'll go to the front office, find out who the owners are and uh, the management and I'll start making phone calls and I'll start doing marketing for you. I'll be your bird dog trying to find these properties. Uh, who would say no to that, right? Nobody. No to that. Nobody. Yeah. And if anybody wants to do that for me, I'm completely open to it. It's part of why I'm doing podcasts because I'm trying to meet local operators that don't know how to take down the deals that they find or can't get them financed. We can get them financed at no problem. We come in with systems. We come in with the, the rehab team. We come in and you, and you stay in the deal. We, we want the local operator, the guy who brings us a deal. We want you to stay in the deal as a partner. And so it's not like you bring the deal and we squeeze you out with a wholesale fee or something. That's not what I'm doing. It's not, uh, we're, we're meeting people that actually want to stay in the deal. They don't just don't know how to do it. They like, like me, when I started, I had an interest. 
I had an interest in multifamily. I didn't know what to do or where to go with it. I didn't have any deals either. And if I did have a deal, I, sh- I wouldn't have known what to do with it. So now that I do know, and I have the money behind me to buy them, I'm out here trying to help people like me when I got started. Cause wow. I was scared. You know, I mean, I, I did like, I would four years ago, I would not have, I mean, five years ago, I would not have bought a million dollar multifamily because I had no clue. I was just starting to study it back then. So yeah. there's no way I would have pull, pulled the trigger on it because that's not wise to do. You know, I mean, the, the business, I mean, it's all a risk, but, you know, even the stuff we know is a calculated risk, but some, you win some, you lose some. The idea is you win more than you lose and you'll do okay. Uh, nobody wants to lose, but the re- reality of business is that happens sometimes, you know? And so, uh, especially in multifamily, that yes, the profits can be bigger, but the losses can be bigger too. So you got to, you know, really got to watch it. And so that's what, that's why I'm here. I'm trying to meet local operators that, that just don't know what to do. You know, they want these All deals, right. they have them in their market and they just don't know how to take them down and don't know how to finance them. So this deal that you made a million dollars on, that was your net profit. Yeah. A million 60 was legit net. I mean, I got HUD to back it up. Net, net million 60. You got uncle Sam to pay. Of course. Yeah. Well, we had, we had partners. So the, the whole, the, the whole thing wasn't mine because we, there was partners on the deal. Yeah. The total profit from the deal was a million sixty divided down, but still, that was that's a legit real. I'm not, I'm not talking yeah. about it on the public airways, looking for the FCC to come after me because I didn't do it. <laughs> so we had Huds to back all that up, and um, yeah, it was just it was one of those deals. We didn't know how good it was. In fact, we thought originally we thought it was a million seven. That's what we thought when we got it for a million two fifty. We thought we can get this thing for like a million, like we can make five hundred on it is what we thought a million. And as we got into it, the first the first buyer was not interested at a million seven. Actually, it was a bigger player in the in the, the apartment world, and he just he was at a million seven was not interested in it. And we were like, oh no, we kind of were worried there. And then the next buyer came in, and we had them at uh, two point five. So shockingly, we were like scared to death because oh my god, a million seven, somebody some big player didn't want it. We put it back out there to a couple you know a couple of people we knew, and all of a sudden we get somebody at you know a lot more. That buyer backed out. We had somebody at two four, and we ended up at two point three is what we what we sold it for. And again, not putting much into it at all. Now this this property was in you're in Illinois. This was in Oklahoma. Is that right? Yeah, correct. I, I'm. I'm a very intense individual and I've realized like just how I do everything is I kind of attack it. And if, if, if I do stuff here, I'm going to be involved. Like I'm going to be there more than I need to be. And I, what I realized about myself is doing, cause I do deals all over the country now and it's, it's, it's made my life a lot easier and I get more time with my family because I can't be there. I have to be resourceful and figure out how to do these things. And so it's actually been great. I, I didn't, you know, I, I did it by design after I realized I had to. Because I didn't want to be as involved in the businesses and, and the way that I'm wired and just things I I'm I I'm a doer, you know, I, I get stuff done. And I still do, but now I just have to be more creative with how I get it done because I can't be there all the time. But like I'm in Oklahoma every other week. I mean every two weeks I'm there. Okay, good. So um I got a couple questions. I, I want to ask you like uh how can people go and find these deals and bring them to guys like you? Number one. But the other thing I want to ask you is about the risks involved. Like some people may say, oh, it sounds too good to be true. But there, you know, there is some risk involved with big commercial properties. Oh, um, yeah. People wonder too, like, did I, is it too late? Have I missed the apartment wave? What would you say to those folks that think it's too late or think it's too risky? There's always opportunity. There's always, because a lot of the, the best deals in multifamily that we've found the best deals are with local one-off operators that got some money 30 years ago. They built an apartment complex. They weren't actual true operators. They were good people. They just didn't know how to run it. And they weren't putting the money back into it. They were just taking everything out. The rents aren't high enough, just improperly maintained and managed forever. And those are all over the place. They are all, and, and you know, after 30 years, all this deferred maintenance that has not been done, it needs to get done now. These things need roofs. They, and these people can't afford to do it because they've been taking, that's been their income. And there's just, there's no extra money there. So they, they are selling them because they can't afford to, the deferred maintenance is so bad now, they need to sell them. And so those are the deals we're looking for. They, they, you know, there's 12 buildings and they, you know, six of them need roofs and it's going to cost 500 grand to redo all of the roofs on them. So a lot of the stuff that would like, a lot of people that are bringing us deals, it's, by dry, it's drive-bys. It's stuff they just are aware of. You know, you can, you can find out who owns them. There's, there's, you know, CoStar, there's several different ways you can pull up who the owner is. And if you don't know how to do that, 
Call me. I'm going to give you my information at the end of this. Call me, email me. I'll find out who owns it. I'll get you in touch with them. You start talking to them. I'm not, we, we want local operators. So if you, if you want, if you're calling me, don't worry if you don't have the deal under contract. I don't care. Like I need people like you to grow this business. And so I'm not looking to squeeze anybody out. If you don't know how to do it, that's why I'm here. I'm going to help you with that. Uh, if you don't know how to contact them, I'll help you with that too. But if you have a deal you think is just beat up and it's like, a, it looks like it's 50% occupied, 70% occupied, and it just, it needs a lot of work. That, that's what we're looking for. So drive-by stuff, if it's just something you know in your local area that there's an opportunity there because it's just under-maintained, those people, you know, a lot of are talking about selling, thinking about selling, they have for a while. If they have somebody contact them with a cash offer, they can close within, you know, 30, 45 days and get them out of this problem because they have, you know, six roofs that need to be replaced. Uh, they're going to be very interested in talking to somebody like that. And so uh, we make them, you know, we just we're, we're paying as much as we can for them. And, and these Every offer we've had on properties like this, when people come to us, they're, they're very receptive. Not every time we buy it, of course, but they are, at least are open to the conversation. Yeah, that's good. Because they know it's okay, under maintained. So they, they know it needs a lot of money. What about the risk involved with owning commercial properties? What, what are some of the risks involved and how do you avoid them? Insurance one. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big, I mean, I, I'm never, I'm never, I'm never underinsured. That's for sure on everything that I own. I, I, I'm overinsured just because I, I think that, you know, especially in commercial, there's so many stuff. I mean, there's, you got to worry about, you know, people having, you know, assault and battery is, is, is a separate kind of insurance on your property that you may or may not be able to get. Meaning if there's if nothing to do with you, if two, if there's an assault and battery on your property and they want to sue you because the assault and battery happened on your property and you don't have coverage for that, guess what? You're SOL. So you got to make sure you're, I mean, that the, the, the risks are knowing the proper insurance to have. And that's something I had to research for about seven months on its own because the, the policies are so extensive that I, I, in Oklahoma, it's a whole other world because in Oklahoma, I, just own, I own a couple. So that's why I keep referring to Oklahoma, but their insurance there because of the weather like they have, you know, extreme wind, hail is extremely expensive because the way they explain it is you're basically financing your roof and siding. It's going to get done in 10 to 12 years because of a major storm. That's just a fact. So the insurance there is astronomical, but it, it's your, the, the way that it was explained so that I could like sleep at night is that you're financing the cost because it's going to be replaced soon. Because otherwise I was like, what is going on? I'm like, we, I didn't, I, it's over double what I expected. I mean, way over double what I expected. And, uh, but it, it, it's just the way it is. I, I mean, there's only two major carriers that'll, that'll um, insure out there that are good. You know, one's Lloyd's of London and that's, that's who we have because uh, that's just who, that's who's willing to insure that, that kind of product. When they're, when they're stabilized, it's a different story. There's a couple more carriers that, that you can take out, but it's still not cheap because of the, you know, and that's just unique to, to Oklahoma. But either way, like having the right insurance and just making sure you have all your ducks in a row. I mean, it's, you're buying a, you know, whatever these are, a million, two, three. I mean, the, uh, I mean that, that, by the way, I don't know what we said, the million dollar profit that I had, I sold it for 2.3. It wasn't like it was a $10 million sale that was a bought for a million two fifty and sold for 2.3. So it wasn't a crazy big, that was just, a, it was a home run. You know, there's no doubt. Yeah. I don't expect to make every, every deal, every flip like that. That's why we didn't keep that one, by the way. We, we knew there was such an opportunity to flip it and blow out a chunk right now. That's why we didn't keep that one. Everything else I'm keeping. I don't want to flip them. If, the, if flipping makes it just like, just like the reason I got out of uh, residential, it just wasn't the right time anymore. So most of the time, flipping them is not going to be right because I want to keep everything and hold it for long-term cash flow. That particular asset, obviously, we made a million bucks flipping it. It made sense to do. Nice. But, okay. yeah, but the risks, the risks are, you know, just, just, I mean, they're, they're bigger deals. There's more money. There, there is more risk, plain and simple, you know, mitigating that risk is having, is being educated. Yeah. And, and, and partnering with somebody who's been there, done that, mm. I think will help a lot. No, right? exactly. And that, that's, that's what I did at the beginning. And that's why I'm here. You know, I mean, I realized that there's a, there's a need for that in the market. Are, are multifamilies recession proof? So if the market goes back into a recession, how do you protect yourself in those cases? Well, I mean, in, in many cases, it, when, you know, the, the market dependent, most time when, when there's a recession, the rental market stays very stable, you know? And so, I mean, a B-class asset may become a C-class asset during that, but that's okay. You know, you're still renting a C-class asset. You may, you may lose a little bit uh, as far as what you can charge. But, in, in, you know, if you have an A-class, it becomes a B. But either way, people still need to rent. In fact, more people need to rent during a recession because a lot of people are losing houses. So, so no, that, that's also why I went into it. I mean, I was, I was buying them one-off because, because I wanted as many rental properties as possible. 
possible. I transferred to apartments because I realized how stable it is. Even if the economy tanks, that's not something that goes under. In fact, if anything, your rents can go up depending on your market. So no, I love it. I, it, I don't want to call it recession proof, but, but it, it's very close to recession proof because the, the more renters come out when there is a recession. So that's why I went full on into it. Yeah, good. All right. So can you talk about uh, real quickly here, how can somebody bring you a deal? Like how can they go out and look for deals? Uh, how can they, is it just driving for dollars? Can they do direct mail? Can they do Facebook ads or how can they find deals? All of that. I mean, it's, it's dri- driving is how people are actually finding most of the stuff they bring us because they're familiar with the market that they're in. And they're like, you know, I, I, I talked to this owner. I couldn't really get a deal done. Well, get me in contact with the owner. I'll, if there's a deal to get done, we'll get it done. And then we'll partner you, bring you in the deal and you'll be a partner on the deal. But yeah, I mean, direct mail is not as effective because it's it's just a, it's kind of a different market. Not that it's not effective, but it's, it's not something we do. We do actually, we, we pick out, we search for specific assets and we will actually send them local gift baskets. That it's, okay. just, it's just introduce ourselves. Hey, we're, we're local operators here. We want to meet the other local operators. We don't make them an offer saying we want to buy it. All we let them know is we, we buy commercial, we buy distressed commercial assets and, and we're, you know, we think we need to network and we'd love to talk to you, you know, just, just, just cause we're other operators. That's all we say. So it's not, there's no sale. There's no, we want to buy it because we don't, you know, we don't want to put them in a position where they're on the defense. We're just trying to meet other operators in markets that we're in. And so um, that that's been very effective too. Just, it, it's a very, very nonchalant approach. It's kind of under the radar. We're just like, Hey, let's be friends kind of thing, you know, and, and let's talk, you know, let's network. We're both, we both own apartments and go from there. And then, and then you build a report them in the, you know, when you talk to them, you try to, you know, meet them if it's, it's something you think is a good fit. And that, that, that's extremely, extremely effective. Just, just befriending them because we're both multifamily people like that. So, you know, if you're not, don't own any yet, that'd be a little more difficult, but still like that, those approaches where we're not just straight up, like, you know, postcards where you're saying, you know, we buy houses cash. That does not work for this. You know, this, it's usually a little bit more of a sophisticated seller here. And, you know, even if they're not, the we buy houses cash stuff is not going to work for multifamily. So you have to send something with a little more creativity. And so that's why we're not even asking about a sale. We're just trying to meet them and say, hi, that's it. And we let them know we, we buy as much multifamily as possible. If you know of anybody that's selling a multifamily, like we don't ask for theirs directly. You know, like, like we don't, it's it, in, in that there is a, a very soft sales approach to coming in where it's not obvious awkward because we're not asking to buy their thing. We just, just want to talk. That's all. And that's very, very effective. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. The gift baskets um, are very good too, though. The, <laughs> like with local product stuff, that's good. Yeah. Okay. So are you buying, are you mainly focusing right now on underperforming apartment buildings? Yes. Uh, About to buy an office complex in my own market, shockingly, because the taxes are outrageous in Cook County, commercial taxes on a building that's yeah. worth 2.5 million are $250,000 a year. I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh, but the deal makes sense. The deal, I'm not going to go through that deal, but that deal does make sense because it's a, there's a value add opportunity there and it's in a very, it's a, it's an A-class asset. But yeah, two, I'm going to buy for 2.5 and the taxes are 250,000 a year. It's outrageous, but the numbers still work, believe it or not. All right. All right. So if, if somebody finds a deal or they're just talking to somebody, they find somebody who knows somebody who's got an apartment building that needs a lot of work, that's the kind of apartment building you're interested in. Yeah, absolutely. The, the more work, the better. Uh, you know, the more value add, the better. And, but you know, if, if something's seventy percent and there's an opportunity to just stabilize rents, the rents are too low because you know that's that stuff we buy too. I, I want the more value add, the better. But if there's a restabilization play, just because it's just it's it not being uh, they're not charging enough because they've they've owned it for thirty years. Excuse me, they're a lot of touch. You know, th- there's an opportunity there too. So that's that's on the opposite end of, of what we're, you know, what our target is. But we'll buy that stuff too. Ideally, the more value add, the better. The more work it needs it, uh, is what we're really looking for. Doesn't matter if it's in the city or out in the country. Nope. Now, as long as, it, as long as the numbers make sense, I mean, there's got to be a market for rental. You know, we're going to do a rental analysis wherever it is to make sure that there is a market uh, for the rentals for what, you know, what this product is. But as long as there's a market for it, uh, absolutely, we're in. Talk about the numbers a little bit. What are numbers that you're looking for in terms of cap rate and occupancy or whatever? 
that makes well, the, the occupancy is. Not, I mean, I'm buying one that's that's vacant, right? And I, so I bought I bought other ones at you know 40 percent occupancy, which were just you know like basically drug dealers living there at that point because they were in shambles. And so we had it. We got it. We go in. We get all the riffraff out, which brings it down to like 20 percent occupancy. And then we got to get back up slowly, which is very difficult because usually they're they're you know they're still crappy, but you got to bring in money because you have a debt service to pay. So it's kind of a there's a bit a bit of a balance. And a lot of times on the loans, we have to take out extra money at the beginning to pay the debt service because we don't have enough, you know. And so you. you how you structure the loans is just part of all this. And so we, we have one right now that's losing 20,000 a month because we can't restabilize it because we're rehabbing all of the units that, that are occupiable, you know? So we have to get those done and then we'll, we're slowly starting to fill them and then that will go away very quickly. But yeah, the, the um, what was the question again as far as? Um, um, the numbers, like cap rates and things like that. Cap rate, you know, that's also market dependent. I mean, we we work off of eight a lot off, you know, an eight percent cap rate because that that's pretty common, you know, in most markets. If I can, I can, the value can be an eight cap from our end loan standpoint. That's all I care about because we're keeping these. So all I care about is what the lender is going to going to look at and value the asset, at. and they value it strictly at that point. On on if the asset is stabilized, they they value it strictly on cap rate, and and so whatever whatever in that market, eight is a good number to use. It's fair. So some will be ten, some are six, some are. Three. If you go to Seattle, you know, like I don't invest in Seattle. If you have something in Seattle, not for me, because three percent is not going to do it. That's more for the overseas investors that are parking money for whatever reason. But you know, eight percent, nine, ten—that that's that's more where we are. But eight's eight's pretty common, and so we're, we're, we run most of our valuations at an eight cap because that's what the lenders that will give us the end loan they're they're going to evaluate it based on based on the cash flow at ninety percent occupancy or ninety five. If you can keep it there for three months, whatever you can keep for three months, ninety or ninety five, they will lend to you at eighty percent of what that that is at an eight at an eight cap it's and so it's uh it's it can be very very lucrative and they we, we cash out the difference we we take it you know as, as non non-taxable it's not income just equity and that's just bonus money and then we pay you know with the cash flow from the deal we pay the loan and we take the rest uh ongoing forever it's a it's a pretty good thing i mean i i studied for a long time and, and what's funny is now that i'm in it it's it's very similar to what i've done for years and years and years the numbers are just bigger. There's more zeros. It's it is more risk. There's no doubt, but it's less work. Believe it or not. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked by it. At first, I was. I'm not anymore. Now I'm pleasantly surprised. But the the it, it's no more work than than doing. You know, in fact, like a, like a, a single family flip here in my market, I put so much more time into one of those than I did even to, to an apartment flip right now. I mean, it's crazy, but it's true because I, I'm doing them outside of my market. Uh, so I can't be as involved and I have to be more creative. And, and so they're actually easier deals. I mean, I, they're, they're riskier, but they're easier. They're less of my time. It's wild, but it's true. So that's what studying and learning a, learning a craft very well before you jump into it. That's what it can do for you, you know. And you should not jump into multifamily. I mean, not even a little if you do not know the ins and the outs, the financing, the cap rates, you know, the insurance. I mean, there's so many moving parts that go with this. The right the right stuff to put in. Are you buying? If you're buying a hundred lights, are you buying it from Menards because you should be buying it from a wholesaler? We can get it for a third of the cost for the exact same light, you know. And like where you're where you're ordering all your stuff. I mean, we just ordered fifty thousand dollars in life proof flooring that cover the entire complex that would have been 90,000 if we went to Lowe's, but we got it from, a, you know, or, or, or Home Depot. We got it, but we got it from Home Depot's wholesale division, you know, for 50. So you just got to know where to buy these products. Uh, so you're not paying full retail or, or close to that because you can get it when you're buying in that bulk of, of a, you know, pay, buying anything in bulk, you can get it for 75% less wow. than retail in many cases. I mean, it's significant. Nice. All right. So Jim, talk to the beginning investor out there who maybe a little intimidated with multifamily and uh, how can they get started? How can they go find a deal and bring it to you and learn the ropes from somebody who's already doing it? That sounds like a brilliant idea to me, right? Why you have to go reinvent the wheel, partner with somebody who's already doing that deals and learn how to do it from them. And learn, and then and then go out on your own. I'm not like you know, just because somebody brings me a deal, like we do, we partner on one, maybe two, and you learn it, and then you go out on your own. You're not going to offend me. Like I get that's the way. That's that's what I've done. You know, I've I partner with people, I learn, and then after I didn't need to anymore, what what I'm doing now, I'm doing it on my own. You know, and so I don't expect people to stay with me forever. I mean, you're more than welcome. I've hey, the more deals, the better for everybody. But how to find the deals and bring them to me? I mean, like. You just email me, by the way. You you can call me. I'll I'll give you my number. I'll give you my my email here. 
And call me, email me the deal. If you have any questions on it, you know, email me everything you know about the deal and we'll analyze it. I will tell you this, that I, your, your goal, your entire goal with, with, with multifamily or, or commercial, when you're, when you're evaluating it, you should be trying to kill the deal. Every single deal, your goal is to kill it. If you can't kill it, it's a deal. But your goal is you're, you're looking at the numbers, trying to kill it because most of the deals you will kill. Most deals are not deals. So if you evaluate 100, you might be able to buy two of those. So just know that this is not something you're going to see six deals and buy two of. You might have to look at 50, 60 deals because you're going to say no to a lot. I'm not saying it's going to be 2%, but it's not high. It's not 10% either. So you just don't, don't think that every – the problem that, that when people have been bringing me, bringing me deals, and they're all excited about it, and they have one deal, and it's the first deal they've ever brought, and they think it's a deal, and they want to do it so badly, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, it's not even – close to a deal that we can do, at least not at the price that they want, not right now. So we can put an, L, an LOI together, which is a letter of intent and, and give it to the seller and say, here, here's what the terms we are willing to do, which, you know, you want 5 million, we can pay three. Now the odds are that's not going to come together, but that doesn't mean the answer is a hard no. We might be able to meet a 3.8. Uh, we might be able to meet a, you know, Somewhere, somewhere with the numbers, it makes sense. So you, just, you bring me the deals that you have that you don't know how to do it, or if you don't know if they're deals or not, we'll get them evaluated. My team will evaluate them. Evaluate them. We'll take a look and we'll get back to you. And say, hey, this is a deal. This is something we can go forward with. Let's get an LOI together. Let's get this seller on, you know, on paper, and we'll we'll start doing our due diligence because that you know we don't we don't do it the hardcore due diligence until we, we have an LOI accepted because there's no reason to do it otherwise. And, you know, the, the due diligence period is generally about 30 days for these. And we close 30 to 45 days after, depending on the asset. But the money that I have behind me, we can close in 30 days every single time. So if it's a slam dunk and we're like, all right, we're done with this thing, we just fund it. We, we look at it 15 days, we'll fund it 15 days later. The money's there ready to be deployed whenever we say yes. Nice. Was, we have guys behind us that they, they just want, they want to put money in multifamily, lots and lots of money in multifamily. So we're trying to find as much of it as we can. We have people commenting right now in YouTube and Facebook, Jim. Awesome. They're saying, they're saying things like, let's go Cubs. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Ah, I had a little run at the beginning. It was ugly, but it's, it's starting to look a little better. <laughs> Somebody else is saying here, commercial real estate is the truth. And um, somebody else is asking what part of the suburbs, by the way, if you have a question you want to ask Jim and you're watching this live right now, type it in the comments and I will ask Jim your questions. I should have mentioned that at the beginning, but somebody else is asking here, uh, David is asking, what part of the suburbs are you from? He's my, in the Schaumburg area. Yeah. My office is in Schaumburg. There's a big mall here called Woodfield Mall. It was the biggest mall in the country until the Open Mall of America, but that's where my office is, right, right by Woodfield. And uh, somebody else was asking about the difference between, I think we already answered this, uh, how is the marketing different from single families versus large multifamily? And I, I, uh, just to summarize it again, I think it's more, you got to get personal, get on the phone, talk to them, belly button, niche. belly button. It's more niche than general. Like, you know, most of the, the residential stuff is very general. Like I'll, I'll use the We Buy Houses cash postcards, right? Like, so a version of that, pretty general. You send out thousands and thousands of them, which, you know, all of us have done. And it's, it's very effective and it works. But with this, though, that, that doesn't work for this consumer. They're a little more sophisticated. Even if they're not, sending them a We Buy Houses cash for your apartment complex just doesn't work because they're, they're thinking like, oh, this guy's just going to rip me off. You know, they're not going to give me enough money. I have a whole apartment complex, you know? And so that's why the approach has to be a little more personal. There's got to be a different, a different touch. Like the initial touch has to be different, which is why we came up with just introducing ourselves as other, you know, apartment operators in the country because it doesn't have to be in the same area. And we're, we're just networking, trying to meet other apartment, you know, owners that uh, See if we can share ideas and help each other out. Like that's, that, that is extremely effective. Good. All right. So how can people get a hold of you? They just email me. I, I, I don't, I, I took, you know, I, I was, you know, Joe, I was, I was marketing myself at a product for a while. I was out there in the eye and I, I didn't love it to be perfectly honest. That's why you guys don't see it. If you know who I am from that MLS domination stuff. So I took my website down. I'm just, I'm doing deals. That's all I'm doing over here. I'm grinding out doing deals in the background now. And so you can email me. My email is my name. It's Jim at Jim So that's J I M at J I M H U N T Z I C K E R.com. Or you can call me at 847-772-5302. This is real deals. Don't, if you guys don't call me to talk, don't, don't email me to say, hey, thanks. I mean, I'm looking for deals. I'm, I'm, I'm busy over here. We get deals emailed to us constantly. I will help you evaluate deals. Send me deals. I will help you evaluate them. That's what we do. 
So I'll get it to my team. We'll have it evaluated in a day to let you know if it's, if it's an option for us to at least, you know, go to the next step. What was your phone number again? Uh, 847-772-5302. I will put these in the YouTube and Facebook comments, but Jim at Jim, H-U-N-T-Z-I-C-K-E-R.com. Jim yep. at Jim Hunsaker.com. You got 847-772-5302. I just put that in the uh, YouTube comments and I'm going to do that right now in the Facebook comments. We got another question that came in from uh, a, a viewer. That sounds weird. A viewer <laughs> on YouTube. I sound professional now. Uh, this is from Joel. He says, I've been working with a syndicator who will fund, who will fund my deals, but everyone is asking for a proof of funds. I do not have a million dollar proof of funds. How do I get around that? He's and he's saying this guy can fund the deals, but like if somebody brings you a deal and, the, and and they're talking to the owner and they want a proof of funds, how do you how do you help with that? Just call me. I'll get you a proof of funds so you can put the deal together. Your syndicator should be able to do that. The problem with we don't do syndication stuff. It's just we we well, I'll bring in one investor per deal to do the down payment or you know sometimes even the fight the the guys we have, the funds we have financing it will we'll partner with us. It just depends on the deal. But syndication stuff, that's how that like guy lost 200 grand on that deal that I told you about. That was a syndication deal, by the way. Oh, so that really? dude had put up 200 grand from the syndicates, by the way, who all lost 200 grand. And so uh, I don't like syndication deals. It's not something that I plan to get involved in. I know it's a way to get, you know, to pool money together, but there's so much, so many other options out there right now uh, that are very easy, a lot easier than syndication deals. There's just, there's, there's a lot of moving parts are complicated. And personally, I don't love them. That's just not, so, you know, like, cause you have so many different people involved. You have people putting in, you know, a couple hundred thousand here and there to get to your million. And, and they're all, I, I don't know. I just, it's not a deal. I don't love them. I mean, my, all my stuff is, is, is funds. It's, you know, it's venture capital funds, equity funds, you know, guys with lots and lots of money that are looking and evaluating these assets. And they, a lot of times they want a piece of them. So, uh, and if not, what we do is we're being one, not, not multiple. If we need a, you know, a 30% downstroke, we will have one investor come in as a sponsor, we call it. And so the sponsor comes in and all he is, is that money. But, but if he's putting in 30%, he's getting, he's getting 30% of that deal, by the way, 30% of that deal, the equity is his. So we pull out, a million dollars, 300,000 of that is his, you know, and, and in the cash flow moving forward forever, whatever the profit is, 30% of that is his forever because he's the one that put the down payment. So that, that's how we're getting these finance. So the, the person who is giving you the money should be able to give you a proof of funds for you to submit offers with. If they can't, call me and then we'll work together because it's not working. You need a proof of funds in order to submit off LOIs. The LOI has to come in with a, with a proof of funds or, you know, a pre-approval of sorts. Nice. All right. By the way, guys, if you call Jim or email him, make sure you heard you tell him you heard about him on this podcast. Please. Yes, please I do. Hear from you. I want to see. Uh, I want to see how you're doing with this. This is so awesome. Another, you know, another yeah, yeah. Everything comes back, Jimmy. I'll, I'll let you know what's going on with it. So, yeah, please tell me you heard about it on, on this podcast. Nice. Uh, this is another question here. How small of a deal are you looking for? Is there like a lower limit that you won't, you don't want to go below? Uh, really 90, 90 units is, is the minimum because uh, what we, what we're doing in all these complexes, we, we have on-site management because at 90 units, you can afford to pay for that. You don't need to hire a management company. So you have a full-time part-time property manager, uh, you know, leasing agents. And then you, you can also afford to have a full-time maintenance guy with that many units. So that's, that's the, our minimum. It's not as much as how much money it costs. It is, it's, it's the unit count. So, because at, at 90 units, whatever market that's in, we can sustain having a full-time, part-time leasing agent and a maintenance guy. So not, the, the, the price is not as important as how many units. 90 is the minimum. Okay. Somebody else is asking here, I know how to evaluate a deal. Will you keep me in the deal if I bring you a good one? So talk about how you keep people in the deal and and do, and do that. Yeah, kind of absolutely. That, that, that's why I'm here. I'm here to meet people and keep them in deals. I'm not here to squeeze anybody out. We, it, every deal is different. It depends on how much involvement you want. It depends on the deal. It depends on what the structure already is that you've set up. If you've talked to the owner, I mean, every single deal is different, but you're an equal partner in the deal. Like, you know, so it's just sometimes, so when we bring in, let's just say you bring me a deal. Here, here I'll give you a structure. You bring me a deal and it's, it's, it's a home run. We're in, like we're doing it, right? And so I'm, I got to bring in a financial partner to put down 30% or 33%, let's call it, to make it easy for this explanation. Well, in that situation, 
you you would be a 33, I would be a 33, and, and our financial partner would be 33. Financial partner is completely silent. They do nothing else but bring money to the table for us. That's it. We don't hear from them. They don't put have any input. There's nothing else but the money. And they do get a 30% equity share with all the profit. Um, and so that's how that deal would break down. Sometimes there's, there's more creative ways to do it. Sometimes they're different. Sometimes there's more partners because if you have, you know, so just every deal is different, but that's a basic structure. We keep you, you're, you're a full share partner. Whatever we're doing, I want you in the deal. That, that's, I'm, not, I'm not here like talking about a million dollar profit because I'm going to say, oh, well, you can get 2% of that deal. Thanks for bringing it to me. You know, like I'm looking for real partners that really want to be involved in the deal. They want to be, you know, be operators on some level and we can grow it with you. If you're looking to grow in your market, that's fantastic. The more, the better. So that, that I mean, I can't do it all. And that's what I've realized. And so in order for me to grow, I got to have partners that are, that are local in their markets. And so that's what I'm here to do is meet local operators and keep them in deals. Yeah, I like the fact that you're not syndicating it out because you're yeah, absolutely right. You get too many uh, chefs in the kitchen that can makes it difficult, doesn't it? When I was researching, I mean, I, I was getting pushed to that over and over again. Like people like syndicate, syndicate, you know, syndication, and I just. I, every time I looked at it, I'm like, I don't like the structure. It's, I'm just not comfortable with it. I, I, I've never liked it. I've never done a syndication deal. My only experience with one so far on, on the buy end is the guy that lost 200 grand. So that sucked for those people. So I don't have good experiences with syndication. I know, I know that people do very well with it. So I'm not knocking it. It's just not a model that I plan to work with. Okay, good. Well, thank you, Jim, so much. I, we're, we're, I don't see any more questions here. Jim Hunsicker. And his email is jim at jimhunziker.com. That's J-I-M-H-U-N-T-Z-I-C-K-E-R. Exactly. And your phone number is 847-772-5302. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes. And it's in the comments here in the YouTube and the Facebook videos. And uh, if you talk to Jim and you bring him a good deal, please tell him you heard about him on the podcast. I'd love to see how this is going for you guys. I'd love to see you do a deal come from this podcast. That would be so amazing. That would be super cool. Jim is a good guy. I met Jim at a mastermind. We were talking about networking before, and Jim is really good at that. And we've been friends ever since, even though he's a Cubs fan and I'm a Cardinals fan. (laughs) We're still really good friends. Uh, Jim is a real deal. He does a lot of deals, and I trust him. I highly recommend him to you. And uh, I, I hope you do well, Jim, with this. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate it, man. It's always good to talk to you. All right, guys. Again, go to the show notes at realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com. Look up Jim in the search bar and you will find this podcast and uh, get his information in there, get the show notes, uh, get a transcription of this podcast as well. All right. Thanks again, everybody. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. Take care. See you guys. Bye-bye.